Hello and welcome to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, Folks, today I want to talk a little bit about, and my guest is going to organize around this, but I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the transferability of skills, yeah, just kind of from one domain into another, and what happens when you approach moving into another domain, and I'm going to talk about this specifically in terms of leading your organizations and that kind of stuff, but if you, if you, if you come to it thinking that you already know everything, you know, where, what, you know, what's the consequence of that? Um, and the, the fellow that I'm you know, going to be, uh, introducing you to here in just a minute, uh, um, has, has done this journey. He's got a great, great little book out that's called Learn It All Leaders. Learn It All Leaders as opposed to Know It All Leaders. And his, his journey is actually fascinating. I first uh, met him. Uh, in an office hour show that David uh, Meltzer, my partner, and I uh, host. Uh, and I was absolutely enthralled with you know, his story. And in that little 15-minute segment, we did not have a you know, chance to go anywhere other than this is interesting. Um, so I've invited him on the show, and I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Damon Lemby, welcome to the show. And uh, let's see where we can uh, you know, land this, this ship. Well, Blaine, it's great to be here, and I agree. It was nice getting to meet you on Office Hours, and I think we just, you know, very similar in what we believe in and talk about, so it will be nice to move on from just the tip of the iceberg and continue our conversation. So thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. My my, my absolute pleasure. Thanks for saying yes. Um, you know, yeah. just, just so the folks know in the background here, um, you were uh, a world-class athlete, and I say were just because you know we've aged, and <laughs> so things things happen as we do this. But you were in the College World Series uh, in baseball with uh, you know, the Arizona uh, State University, um, and you were drafted by the Atlanta Braves. Uh, but there was something that happened with your professional career, and there's an intersection between becoming an am- you know, the amateur sports into the professional domain. You know. You know, so I'm setting that up as just kind of a frame here. Can you talk a little bit about your journey to where you ended up coming up with the idea of Learn It? And, you know, folks, we're going to talk about Learn It, his organization, uh, L-E-A-R-N-I-T, um, and, and as we go through this here, because there's a fascinating resource there that I want you to be able to take advantage of. But just kind of, you know, how did, how did we, you know, what's that transition move? Sure. Well, first of all, if I recall our last conversation, thank you for saying a world-class athlete. If I recall, you were a big-time gymnast yourself. <laughs> well, I was, yeah, but I wasn't in the World Series. <laughs> yeah. No, anyways, so for me, my very quick version of the journey was I got drafted out of high school by the Atlanta Braves in the 13th round. Back, I'm dating myself a little bit, but back in 1990, and I had this opportunity, do I continue um and move forward in minor leagues baseball, or do I go um, and play in college? And I originally decided to go the college route. I started at Pepperdine and I did it. It's really my first big lesson in leadership because the coach, coach Andy Lopez had a tremendous vision. And that vision was, we're going to work together as a small university and win the college world series. And he got everybody to buy into it. My first year there, I got hurt. I ended up leaving and sure enough, First time and the only time in the history, Pepperdine won the College World Series. So that was that was amazing for them. 
I then ended up at Arizona State, played there, got to play in the College World Series, hit a home run in the College World Series. I guess that's my uh, claim to fame. I figured I was uh, ready to continue. I had all my eggs in the basket of being a Major League Baseball player. The season ended, and I didn't get drafted. And, you know, you're kind of at the crossroads, and I really had to determine, you know, what do I do next? And uh, like a lot of athletes who are transitioning from one career to the next, you kind of lose your identity. It's like you thought your first 23 years of your life, you're one thing. And now I wasn't quite sure if my skills were transferable and how they would work in the business world. I was really fortunate that I came from a family with multiple businesses, uh, large real estate. But also at the time, my dad was coming up with this idea for a computer training company called Learn It. And he did what a lot of great entrepreneurs do is they come across a problem and then they figure out how to solve it themselves. He took a class uh, some at a place called, I, I remember back up in Seattle where you lived, uh, where you live, Egghead Software had a, a company, oh, but the yeah. owner had a company called Catapult. He took, he took a class. Uh, we got to know that gentleman very well, Victor Ohabi, I think. And, you know, I thought it was a little slow and sterile and there's got to be a better way to do it short engaging classes. And that's where Learn It started. I was just finishing up my baseball career and I uh, decided to start as a receptionist at Learn It. And again, it was because like what you, you mentioned, I wasn't sure if my skills were transferable. And mm -hmm. so I started at the ground floor, wanted to make sure everybody knew that I was there to work, not just because my dad put me someplace. And fast forward seven years, uh, Learn It has moved from being a Excuse me. Yeah. Fast forward from seven years, I went from being a receptionist, teaching classes, sales, and then becoming the CEO. And over the 28 years, we focus mostly now on management and leadership. And I'm proud to say we've helped upskill close to 2 million individuals over the last 28 years. So wow. in a nutshell, that's the, that's the learn it journey where we're at today. Yeah. I, Damon, thank you for sharing that. Um, that yeah, there's a couple of touch points. I mean, Egghead, I used to shop at Egghead. <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah I, yeah. I hadn't heard that name for a long time. Um, the the idea of skill transference. Um, there's a couple a couple of ways that I want to you know, kind of unbundle this here. But what skills did you find that were actually transferable? You and and how did you have to amend them? Uh, you know, for use in a different uh, contextual uh, environment. I love the fact that you just mentioned how do you amend them for a different environment because I'm, uh, I'm on an advisory board of a, a business school out here and we talked about this helping the athletes transition and how you take those skills that I'll mention and then you mend them so they can use them in the business world. I, I would say that the skills, and I didn't really realize at the time, but the key ones are collaboration, discipline, uh, learning agility, which I think is one of the most key skills out mm -hmm. there today. And then of course, you know, for athletes, it's resistant, excuse me, it's dealing with failure and overcoming failure. Those are just a couple of them along with communication and how you had to amend them is really, you know, start with, you know, overcoming failure and having grit or resilient, be resilient in baseball. If you fail seven out of 10 times, I mean, you're basically going to be a millionaire, right? So you learn yeah. how to dust yourself <laughs> off and get up. And the same thing, if you're, if you're a solopreneur or you're in sales, I mean, 
the path, I mean, I, I'm excited to say that I've been here at 28 years to learn it, but it hasn't been a, you know, trajectory like this. There's, there's plenty of downfalls and mistakes and you just have to keep going. And so that was a, a really big one uh, that I learned as far as a skill transferability. Another one, I don't even know if you want to really call this a skill, but uh, one of the things I talk a lot about in my book is how to overcome imposter syndrome. And in baseball, yeah. when I first got to Pepperdine, you know, I went from being an All-American to coming into a college, playing, and everybody's at that level. Everybody's at the top of their game. And as a young kid, you know, I didn't really understand or I had a lot of self-doubt. inner, And it really took me to the by the time I got through Arizona State to, to really learn how to deal with that fear, that self-doubt and work through it. And that's something that's really carried over in the um, in the professional world. You know, you mentioned learning agility. I, I think it was Warren Bennis that wrote uh, something about this. And um, yeah, I saw, yeah, I, I just put an article up on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago about you know learning agility. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you mean by that? Because I, yeah, as a, as a leadership skill set, and I'm going to put it in the hard skill function functional area here. Mm -hmm. There's, I don't think it's really well understood because there's there's two pieces there. One is learning, and the other one is agility. Yeah, how mm -hmm. do those two mesh? Because mm -hmm. folks oftentimes think that you know it takes a long time to learn something. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to give you my definition or what I think, and I, I'd be curious to see if it's in line with what you think. When I say learning agility, you look at it like the average skill span used to be about five years. And now with the rapid pace of technology and how the world's moving, it's down to less than a year, even some, they say, six months. So you, you, you practice and you pick up these skills. But, you know, sometimes it's less about that because they're outdated very quickly it's your ability to learn and understand how to learn and keep learning, you know, and, and to me, that is my definition of learning agility. And you learn a lot about that going back to, you know, in sports is that you're constantly tweaking, whether it's your batting stance or, you know, you're, so you, I really learned there how to become a good learner and, you know, getting curious, listening and moving that, that, that skill set into the future and that's why I think learning agility is such an important skill or function, however you want to call it, to have moving forward in the future. You know, I you know my I'm on the board of uh, the Unstoppable Foundation, and folks that are mm -hmm. regular listeners here have heard me reference this before. It's a foundation my wife started 15 years ago. Um, and we do a lot of work in Sub-Saharan Africa. And one of the things that I first noticed when we started doing some work there was that the schools that we were building, the schools that we were sponsoring, um, they didn't call the participants in the schools students. They didn't call them pupils. They called them learners. And like they, yeah. And it, it, I mean, when I first heard that, you know, the learners are here. The learners are, yeah. It's kind of, wow. Yeah. The, yeah, language creates reality. It also reflects reality. And that yep. use of, you know, these kids are just, I am, I am absolutely fascinated. I've got chills as I'm talking about this. These kids are absolutely fascinating to me because, I mean, they run the class. They can't wait to learn. And part of it just has to do with setting that, that expectation that you're coming into this building as a learner. Mm -hmm. 
not as a student, not as a pupil, not as somebody that's going to sit there and absorb something. It's you're a learner and embedded in that is how do you ask questions? Yeah. How, I mean, you know, all of this, you know, what are you paying attention to? Um, in the work that Learn It does, yeah, how have you, and I know that you've done this, how have you integrated that learner concept into the ways that you actually work from an L&D, you know, leadership and development perspective with the clients that you're working with? So how, you know, first, first of all, what we'd like to do is you, you, you work with your client to better understand maybe some of the skills gaps that they have or the outcomes or the challenges that they're really facing. And the ideal customer, Blaine, let's be honest, are, are companies who believe in the value of investing in their team and learning. I mean, that, that's, uh, mm -hmm. and there's a big difference between between companies who say they do and they actually do. And you know this as well as I know, learning is hard. It's, 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 yeah. not, a, it's not a one, you know, one shot and then you're done. I, I like to use the analogy of an individual who goes to the gym and they, they run on the treadmill as fast as they can for, for an hour and then they don't come back for a year and try it again. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a company who wants to do a corporate retreat and, and in an hour, want to cover, let's become more self-aware. Let's focus on time management and how to have difficult conversations and just think that everybody has that, you know, has that skills and figured out. So what we try to do at Learn It is we have what's called like learning sprints. And we're a virtual instructor-led training company for the most part. You know, I, I listened to one of your episodes where you talked about, you know, having to make that that major pivot. Um, I would say going into COVID, we... we we did about 30% of our training virtually. So we were able to make that pivot pretty well. And we still do some instructor-led in-person training. But really, those sprints are designed for you, you do you know maybe a two-hour session once every three or four weeks, and they build on each other. They're stackable skills that keep kind of progressing. And in between that, and this is one of the things we're working on right now, is really infusing some type of technology, whether it's gamification or uh, you know, some type of virtual reality, which we're not there yet, to help learn to learn those skills and become more retention, make them more sticky. Because um, mm -hmm. I don't think that you can just go to a two-hour workshop or one-day workshop and not really have any accountability. Because uh, like I said, learning is tough. And it's something that you need to stick with and be consistent with over time. Yeah, I, I like that because it's the overtime piece that uh, is intriguing to me. Um, you know, and you know, you know that I run a, a, a mastermind program that's a year long, yeah. uh, and it's and it's a year Absolutely. long for for a reason. Uh, it's that that yeah yeah you're you're referencing sprints here, but yeah, there's weekly learning opportunities that yeah take place. We meet once a week. Um, that repetition and what I'm addressing there is in the in that repetitive process is a shift in mindset. Yeah. How do I think mm -hmm. about what I'm doing and how I'm being? And it's that being question that you know, keeps popping up in yeah, you know, particularly in the mastermind that you know when I'm working with the folks. Yeah, and boy, I, there's just so many rabbit holes I could go down here. Right? <laughs> well, thing, what, I, what I like to say about that on the being part, because that kind of goes back to what you're talking about, the students and being learners. And I, yeah. and I think um, I think that uh, James Clear talks about that in his book, Atomic Habits, where you put yourself yep. in your mind, you know, I'm going to be a healthy person. I'm going to be a learner. 
I'm going to be a great, you know, you're coming in. That's what your being is. In my book, I, I break down my book into two areas, being and doing. And the being is go. all around mindset, you know, the learn it all mindset and, and, and the traits, which I consider to be humility. You know, I'm about to be the smartest person in the room. Curiosity. We talked about that a little bit. Integrity, you know, doing the right thing and also courage. And when, I, when I'm talking about courage, what I'm referring to is getting out of your comfort zone and trying things and not being able to be afraid. And that's really what I talk about from the being perspective. And then the second half of my book is the the practical, here are some tools to be able to learn how to do. Um, going back to the mastermind, I think that that's fantastic. And also, you know, there, different people learn different ways. You know, some people are all about in-person training, small groups, whatnot. But I also think it's critical for some, especially like senior leaders and executives, is the one-on-one -on -one coaching. We don't do that a lot ourselves at Learn It because our core audience is individual contributors through, you know, middle managers. But uh, pers for me personally and other uh, senior executives, CEOs I work with, I think individual coaching, that can they, they can bring in executive coaching where you can bring in the real world experience, talk it through, try it and come back and, and you know, you're held accountable. And yeah. to me, that's the real learning is the experiential that goes along with it. You could do that with training, but also I think coaching is super helpful as well. Yeah, I want to unbundle, yeah, unbundle that notion a little bit. When we come, we're going to take a real quick break right now. And where I'd like to you know, kind of move is a focus on process versus outcome. Because uh, that's kind of one of the things that I'm hearing you speak to here. Mm -hmm. And that moves us into, I think, also a conversation around you know, something that you're particularly adamant about, you know, referring to your employee groups as teams, not a family. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that there's a mm -hmm. real interesting distinction there that I think is going to be useful to explore. So, folks, we'll be right back. We're talking to Damon Lemby, uh, CEO of uh, Learn It. And stay tuned. The nature of life is evidenced in nature. Nature grows, and all of nature honors the desire to be more, to have more, and to do more. Life thrives when it's allowed to grow. And ideally, thriving is what we also, all of us, want to be able to do. Unfortunately, at some stage in life, most people find themselves settling into what I can only call a rut. And a rut is nothing more than a coffin with the ends kicked out. You want to quickly get out of any rut that you find yourself in. When you stop growing, that's when the coffin starts to appear. You know, the simple truth is this, and this is true for everything in nature. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Every one of us dies. So the question we need to come to grips with is not are we going to die. The question nature asks us to answer is are we truly living? That's what motivation is about. It's the desire to move. It's the desire to grow and to excel. Have I lived? How have I lived? I'd love for you to take advantage of my Leadership Mindset Masterclass. It's all about providing you with the tools to ensure thriving for yourself and for those around you. Register today to receive the free introduction video and find out more about this acclaimed program. You'll also receive a copy of my international number one bestseller, Compassionate Capitalism, A Journey to the Soul of Business. I'm Blaine Bartlett, and I look forward to helping you thrive.
Welcome back, folks. Before uh, we took a break, um, I yeah, positioned a conversation that I wanted to have after the break with Damon, and it has to do with the distinction between pro- a focus on process and outcome. Um, yeah, the, the, yeah, he had mentioned yeah, the, the, the value of having a personal coach, particularly as you moved up in the organization uh, as leader. Um, you know, there, there's something about a, a, a discrete focus on how I'm being that gets missed if I'm just doing kind of a broad-based uh, uh, training uh, approach to things. I want to be able to have some some you know, high-touch uh, feedback uh, in, in what it is that I'm doing, which is organized around process primarily. You know, as a coach myself, you know, I pay a lot of attention to what's the process that we're engaged in here, not so much what the outcome is. What what's your thoughts on that, Damon? Uh, in terms of, and I know that you know, learn it. You've got your own modality and you've got your own structure and what you're doing there. But how does this work out for you? Because I know that you address that in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, I, I have you ever read the book, um, Bill? This, the Bill Walsh, this, the score takes care of itself. Yep. Yep. That's that's kind of about if, if the theme of it to me has always been it's all about process. If everybody is are doing the right things. You know, if whether it's the people in the locker room, to the players, to the announcers, to the HR department, if everybody is doing the process and following the process and collaborating, the score will take care of itself. It's the same as what we talk about process versus outcomes. And I, I'm a big believer in that at all levels. You know, I mean, I look at I have a six year old daughter and, um, you know, she had a race coming up and she's like, well, daddy, what if I don't win the race? I'm like, that's fine. I don't care if you don't win the race. I want I want to see the effort you put into it. And and that's the same thing with leading a sales team, let's say for an example, where it's like we don't focus on especially in the first year that somebody's there on the actual numbers, we focus on the process. Are they coming mm-hmm. in? Are they doing the right things? Are they getting curious? Are they asking the right questions? Having deep discovery. Cuz if you do the process, going back to what Bill Walsh said, the outcomes happen. But you have to follow the you have to follow the process. You can iterate on it, but I think that that is the main thing. And you can't go from just A to Z. You can't you know you can't just shortcut it. Sometimes it, it you have to go slow to to end up going fast. You know to get things done correctly. You know, and, and that's the whole idea of learning is embedded in process. It's not embedded mm-hmm. in outcome. Outcome is what I get after everything else is done. But how did I? How did I? Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded uh, there's a, a story told about the um, uh, Tour de France, uh, the English uh, Tour de France team. And England had never even, yeah, they, they, you know, they were almost always considered to be a no-show in the Tour de France. Of course. And yeah. they got a new coach, and the new coach started you know, breaking things down. How do you put your foot on the pedal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. Does it re, you know, does, does it rest on the ball of your foot, or you know, and just where is it? And the small little pieces, process, focus, focus, focus. Yep. And in that was learning, you know, learning in the sense of muscle memory, but also learning in terms of the system. Everything fits together. It's not just an isolated piece. Absolutely. And they ended up winning. The team ended up winning the tour, and it was kind of like they came out of nowhere. And it was his focus on small incremental process pieces that strung together. Mm-hmm. The outcome will take care of itself. And that's what I hear you're speaking to. Exactly. And I look at it, you know, that's one of the things we're trying to work on at Learn It is really focus on 
habit change, you know, for behavior change. And it's not, you know, it's just small incremental changes done over and over getting 1% better that compounds over time. You know, um, that is a great story. I I read a book, I can't remember if Black Box or whatever it's called, but it, it escapes my mind. But that's a great story. It's all about consistent practice, getting a little better each step of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Kaizen notion, yeah, you know, the, the continuous mm-hmm. improvement sort of a thing. And I can't do that unless I'm learning, which means I can't right. be the smartest person in the room saying I know it all. <laughs> well, that, that's where it all, that's, in, in my opinion, that's kind of where it all starts, right? Know it all, yeah. you know, they, they come to the game with, they got it all figured out, their way is the, the best way. Um, and, you know, I think you really stifle your growth with that that type of mentality, where on the other hand, well, I'd like to say, I love what David said in our office hours. He said, it's better to be interested than interesting, right? Is, didn't he, is that yeah. what he said? Yeah. You know? And the, the learn it mentality, learn it all mentality, I look at it as you don't need to be the smartest person in the room. You don't even want to be in the smartest person in the room. And I yeah. also think that you want to surround yourself with great talent, um, diverse talent, and, and really ch- challenge your thoughts and ideas of and finding ways to get better. And there's that famous quote, what is it? Uh, Strong opinions, lightly held. Um, and if I, I think that that's what great learners do, is that even if they're really firm on something, if the facts change and there's a way to do something better, uh, it's just a continuous learning process. You know, that that, that continuous learning, I mean, you, you, right at the top of the, uh, the show here, you, you talked about one of the things that you dealt with was the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And in my experience with leaders that I've worked with, uh, some of them, not all of them, but some of them that are really you know, captured by that imposter syndrome, that lends itself to positioning, that lends itself to posturing. Yeah, I have to know the answer. I'm the leader. And mm-hmm. there's no room for anything to happen there. It's kind of like, why do you yeah. Think, why, do you think that they, why do you think that they lean into that posturing? It's, be, it's because they lack self-confidence or that they, they have the mentality that they have to have all the answers because their people won't trust them? Yeah, there, there, there's, you know, there, there was an interesting study that was done by Will Schutz, Dr. Will Schutz, years and years and years ago by the, yeah, the, the U.S. Navy asked him to come into play or in, in, uh-huh. come in and consult. And they were looking, you know, this was in the 50s when the nuclear subs first started to come online. And they mm-hmm. recognized that because they were going to be underwater for much longer than the traditional diesel subs, they needed to find a way to compose these teams in a different way. Um, so what are they going to be paying attention to? Well, Will's uh, research said that there's basically three things that occur in organizations and teams where if there's going to be breakdowns, it's going to occur in one of these three areas. One of them had to do with um, positions around likability. Another okay. one had to do with uh, positioning around uh, am I significant? And the other one had to do with competence issues. And what was interesting, and these were the three things that came into play here. And if anybody that's listening right now has ever you know, done a, a, a psychometric assessment uh, for your, your team or your organization, it's called FIRO, you know, the FIRO instrument. Um, this is FIRO? where this came from, FIRO, F-I-R-O. Um, and it, it used to be very popular uh, in organizational development circles. 
But one of the things that, uh, and this kind of answers your question here, one of the things that we'll discovered was that when people get really positioned on something, they need to be right about something. It's usually yeah. because one of these three things are in play. Um, and the one that was most telling and most damaging in, in team uh, organizational functions was when somebody felt their competency was being questioned. And if my competency is in question, either I'm questioning myself or I think others are questioning it, I will get rigidly attached to being right. I get positioned about a thing. And that can look Mm -hmm. a couple of different ways. Either you ask my my opinion and I won't say a word because I don't want to be that (laughs) exposed, or I'm going to take a position and stand on it. I don't care what is going on. And die on that hill with it. And die on that hill. So... And this is where the imposter you know, syndrome can you know, really wreak havoc is I get positioned because my competency is in question typically. And that's mm-hmm. typically what's going on with an imposter. Uh, yeah. yeah. Can I fake it till I make it? So, right. yeah, his antidote for that was address the perception of competence. Yeah, I'm not questioning your competency here. I'm, yeah, and if I can do that for myself, it, it starts in, you know, individually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Who am I? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have yeah. all the answers here. And, and I think one one hacker way you can approach that, and it's something, Blaine, that I use when I'm, when I'm trying to get feedback from, from people myself, right? You know, as a mm-hmm. CEO, sometimes my employees, you would think that they wouldn't feel comfortable enough to, to give honest feedback, you know, or get them to open up. And so sometimes, you know, kind of what you do is you say, hey, you, you know, for instance, let's just say, can you watch this podcast? give me your honest feedback, how I did, by the way, I, I don't think I answered this question very well. You know, you give them an, you open up the door for them to show sure. that you're able to, I think this kind of comes down to as well as vulnerability and um, you know, vulnerability to me, it's, it's like a paradox on one hand, you have to have self-confidence as a leader to be vulnerable, um, to yeah. admit mistakes and, and admit that you don't have all the answers. And the other hand, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable, but you don't want to be somebody who's constantly, you know, apologizing and, and you know, playing the victim, right? Making it all about yeah. yourself because then you're going to lose the trust of your team. So it's, it's, it's an area where it's like, okay, you want to be self-confident, but say, hey, you know what? I made a mistake. This doesn't work. I need your support or we need to go elsewhere to figure this out. Um, but we are going to get this done, you know? And I think that that's a different type of leadership that's now – Verse kind of like you said before, where people's competency are challenged and, you know, they get defensive and, you know, are just going to hold firm on that. And they're not even going to open their minds to a, a different way that things yeah. can be done. You know, that shows up typically more in families, in my experience, than it does in, in high performing teams. And and you've got a position around, you know, you know, working with your employees and you reference them as team, not as family. And, and a lot of particularly, uh, Solo, not solopreneurs, but entrepreneurs, small businesses, they, they, they kind of, you know, this is a broad generality, but they, you know, they lean more into, we're all a family here. That's not really what I want to have in an organization. No. Can you talk I, uh, a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, I've had some very close relationships with, with people at work. I've probably got 10 uh, godchildren from over the 28 years. But we look at it, I look at it as a team more than a family is as a solopreneur or a small business owner or a large 
company, I mean, you need, it's your responsibility to your customers, to the rest of the team to assemble the best team at all time, you know, put out mm -hmm. an elite team on the field and, you know, you can't do that, especially you look at a family and you have Auntie Sue, you're always going to have to invite Auntie Sue to the Thanksgiving party, right? I mean, you can't not invite her. Uh, right. It doesn't have to be that way. I mean, loyalty obviously is important on both sides, right? From the employee to the, to the employer and vice versa. But there are just certain times, Blaine, where em employees have maybe hit their peak. This is the, this is the top of their – this isn't going to work yeah. for them at the next level. And I've had employees on the other side of the fence who have worked me for 15 years who have become static. And I've come to them and said, you know, one of these, one of my uh, friends now outside of work is like, hey, you've done everything you could do here. It's time for you to move forward in your career. And so really I look at especially let's say you're a new business and you're you're in the, you know, million dollar range, you know, and you have a director of operations and that person's doing great. And then when you get to, let's say, $7 million and then or maybe even more 10, whatever, that person who is director of operations might have been great at this level, but they not, may not cut it. They may not have the skill set to get you to the next level. And as yeah. difficult as that is, it's really important for you as a leader to understand and address that if you yeah. if you want to scale and if you want to be, have a really successful company. Yeah. And ultimately have somebody successful in their own life because this environment may no longer be that environment that they can actually excel in. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, 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 I was hoping that you would go there with that question because yeah, a family, I, yeah, it's kind of like, how do I move somebody out of the family? It's kind of like, I can move somebody out of the organization or somebody can want to move out of the organization. I can do it with compassion. I can do it with concern. I can do it with Absolutely. their growth in mind. And yep. it it affects the well-being of the organization as well as their health and well-being. Absolutely. How do I learn to you know, do that? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's the uh, there's the, the phrase uh, top grading, you know, where mm -hmm. if somebody's underperforming in a p particular position, you know, it may be time to move that, that person out, move somebody in. But do that with compassion. You know, I've, I've had situations where we've coached our, some of our clients, worked with our clients, but even internally at Learn It, yeah. where it's like, you know what, this is no longer going to be a fit. You've done a great job. We're going to have to make a transition in the next 90, 120 days. Now that's, you know, but it's your responsibility, again, as a leader to be as honest and transparent mm -hmm. as possible and uh, to make that happen. So, uh, and a lot of times it, it goes well. And one other point about that is, Blaine, a lot of times if, if you have to terminate somebody or you just have to have them leave, you're actually doing them a favor. Because they're overwhelmed, you know, they're mental, you know, they're unhappy. And it's, it's like having a thousand pound weight lifted off Absolutely. your shoulders. You know, it should never be a surprise when you let somebody go or move them on, right? They, they should, you know, through performance management. Yeah. But a lot of times when it comes to that point, I've had people come back to me years yeah. later and thank me. Thank me for the experience at Learn It and how it got them to move on and, and find something that they were more passionate yep. or a better fit for them long term in their career. Yeah, I love yep. that, Damon. That's uh, yep. yeah. And Jim Collins wrote about yeah, you know, getting the right people on the right seats on the right bus, and the bus is always moving, and the seats are always moving as a consequence and, and of that. For and for solopreneurs, the, you know, in yeah, that book, which I love, is the hedgehog concept. Will be right? moving. Find out what you're strong yeah. at, what you can make money at, and what you're great at. You know, and and have yep. the you know have all that and focus on that. Have that you know 
focus in on that. So um, I, those are between the right people on the bus and the hedgehog concept. I mean, that's just a fabulous book for any any of your listeners who haven't read it. That's great. So David, connect with me on LinkedIn. I love you and about at Damon Lemby. And, um, you know, learn it is learnit.com. And we have, you can see an assortment of the, of the classes that we have. And uh, yeah, those, those are really the best ways to connect with me. Learn it all leader. And you can find right. that and, on and, and the book, learn it, learn it all leader, traits all and tools, leader. mindset, traits and tools. Learn and it you all. You can find leader. that on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's a simple, easy, practical book to read. And I think <laughs> it's got good applicable tools that you can use. And fun stories. Oh, it's it's very yeah, it, it Thank is you. very practical. It is it's a it's a it's a good read. You've you've done a good job in writing it. I it, it's very digestible. Yeah. So, folks, you've been listening to the Soul of Business with Blaine Barlett, my guest today, Damon Lemby, uh, CEO uh, of Learn It. Check him out. Yeah, check him out. Check the check the website out. And um, check my website out, blainebartlett.com or learn.blainebartlett.com. And um, there's lots of resources there. Don't be shy. You know, take advantage of them. Uh, and as I sign off here, find a way in your life this next week or so to be a center of distribution, not a center of accumulation. You're going to find your life works a whole lot better when you're giving stuff away. Take care, and I'll see you on the next episode. Hi, I'd like to uh, ask you to do something for me, if you wouldn't mind. If you like this episode, I'd like you to uh, not only subscribe uh, on your favorite site, but I'd also like you to uh, give a rating. Uh, ideally, a, a five-star rating would be you know, greatly appreciated. But I think more importantly also would be just uh, some uh, comments. Uh, that helps with the algorithm and it helps build the uh, the audience with this. And more than anything else, if you could um, invite somebody else to listen, just share this episode with a friend, with a colleague, and uh, I'd like to see how we can grow the soul of business. I think it makes a difference. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.